All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us begin. Today's daf is Chav Gimel, and we are starting in Meretz Hashem at Chav Beis, Amud Beis. We are picking up in Meretz Hashem at the three lines are from the bottom. Let us, oh, first let me, add, let me thank our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. To thank Avram and Shane Dikamun for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshos this month in memory of their parents. To thank Jack Bennett for dedicating all the Shurim in memory of Givati Brigade First Sergeant Nikolai Rappaport. And to thank Dr. Linda Weinberg for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshos this month in memory of her husband, Dr. Paul Weinberg Peretz, Moshe Ben Avram David, our week of learning sponsors, Ira Miriam Grossman in commemoration of the yard site of Ira's father, Melvin Grossman. We hope that in merit of our Tamatoro, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Good night, Rabbi. Let us begin. So we are picking up Emir Sashem, three lines up from the bottom. Three lines up from the bottom. Chaf Beis Amud Beis 22b. Okay, good. 22b. So we'll say the Gemara asks the question what is the halacha concerning smoking? Now, smoking what? If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, five lines up from the bottom, Ma'ula Ashim asks Rashi, Peros Ba'ashan Bissamim, Liklot Tam Habosem. What's Talacha concerning smoking fruit? In order so you'll be smoking fruit over some type of aromatic spices, in order for the fruit to go ahead and absorb the. Oh, Ari, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. In order to go ahead and absorb the smell of the spices. So that's the Shailah. So the Gemara says as follows. Amarav Aser, Shmuel Amar Motor. Rav says it's Aser, Shmuel says it's Motor. What's the nature of the Machlokis? So if I look at Rashi, Aser, the Tafno Kiseruhu, Vein Shabalachol Nefesh, Elele Istinis, Ubahai Ashan Ika Abmalach. So listen to this. What we're going to see is as follows. When it comes to the Halach of Ochel Nefesh, Ochel Nefesh says you could do malacha, but as you pointed out on Yantiv, you could do malacha for what's considered to be a normative everyday need. So Rav will say that the concept of smoking fruit was something that was done for, you know, very, uh, you know, hoity-toity type, uh, type of people. Right? This was a delicacy. This wasn't considered to be a thing that was necessarily common for everyday folk. Because of that, you can't go ahead and do it on Yantiv. We'll see what the malachas involved are. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows: So ultimately, again, Rav Huna explains why would Rav hold that it's aser? Because there's an element of extinguishing. Because apparently, again, when you go ahead and you smoke the fruit on the besamim on the spices, you end up inadvertently going ahead and extinguishing some of the spices. By the way, just to go back for just a second, Shmuel who says that you can go ahead and, and that you can go ahead and smoke the fruit, he holds because halacha lamaisa, it's ochal nefesh. So because it's ochal nefesh, therefore halacha lamaisa, it's not a problem. Isn't it also a problem of havara? In other words, that sometimes through the process of going ahead and smoking the fruit, you actually cause the kindling of the spices. There's a twofold problem. In the beginning, you could end up going ahead and causing kindling, and ultimately it could result in causing extinguishing. Okay, Rabbi Huda says to go ahead and smoke the fruit on top of the coals, 
That's problematic. Why? Because then you'll end up potentially kindling and extinguishing. Tap of Chav Gimel. Al Gabe Cheres Mutter. But to go ahead and smoke the fruit on a piece of earthenware, ultimately, again, that is going to be mutter. That was now the case of the earthenware would be a piece of earthenware that you heated up. So let's say you heated up the earthenware, and you go and you have some absorbed aromatic spices inside of the earthenware, that's okay. Rav Amr Agabi Cheres Nami Aser. Rabbi says, no, on Cheres it's also a problem. Why? Mishunda Kamolid Recha. Because ultimately, again, you are causing the creation of scent. Now, if you look at Rashi, second line down from Rashi, the Kabbalah Recha, Shenichnas Becheres. Others will say you're causing, you're causing the creation of scent in what? In the piece of earthenware. So Rashi says, Shalohayobareach. Now, we'll say, what's the problem of causing scent? Now, we already alluded to this in yesterday's daf, where the Gemara made reference to the concept of perfuming garments. What's the problem with that? Right? Remember, we saw so that even if you hold mugmar, that kindling incense is mutter on yamtiv, you cannot go ahead and cause aroma or scent. So you can't, um, you can't perfume your clothing. So what's the problem with that? What's the problem of perfuming things on yamtiv? So Sarashi so says over here, shenichnas becheres shamolid davar chadash karufu. Because this is very interesting, the concept of perfuming, of creating scent, it looks like malacha. It looks like malacha, right? Essentially, anytime you create something, it has the appearance of malacha. Now, again, is it asramid da'oraisa? No, no. But the concept of infusing scent or perfuming, whether it's an article of clothing or a piece of earthenware, will ultimately be asramid rabbanon. The Gemara says, Why is this different than taking an herb and rolling it and smelling it? Otherwise, we'll say that sometimes you would, you would take an herb, right, and you would go or a piece of, or a piece of incense, and you would roll it to unlock the scent, or v'kotmo umariach, or you snip off the top of it, and you go ahead and you smell it. So we see... I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Rabbi Rav Yosef, I'm sorry. Thank you. So Rabbi Rav Yosef both said that Allah going ahead, if you look at Rashi, means interesting. This is taking a cup full of, of aromatic scent, right? Of, uh, of aromatic scent and going ahead and putting it on a silk, cloth, a silk article of clothing, once again, in order to perfume the article of clothing. So the Gemara, so you're not allowed to do this on Yom Tiv. My time, Mishum the Kamolid Recha. Ultimately, again, because, because you are causing, you are causing, you're perfuming the garment. So we'll say, this is a concept, that, I just want to point out, by the way, this is Halacha Lama You tell you this comes up. Let's say you were schwitzing. You were schwitzing. And your clothing got your clothing got soaked with perspiration, but you're gonna you want to wear it again. You know you can't spritz like deodorant or perfume on the article of clothing. You could put perfume or you know cologne or deodorant on you, but you cannot go ahead and perfume an article of clothing on yamtiv. This is this concept mishum de kamolid recha. What's the problem with it? Again, it's a dirabanon because it has the appearance ultimately again that you are creating something. Molid davar chadash. You are creating something new. And Rashi says again, it has the appearance of malacha. 
Aye, so says the Gemara, Why is this different than taking uh, an aromatic spice and rolling it in order to go ahead and release the scent? Or or snipping off the top of it and smelling it? To which the Gemara says a very big difference. Well, so in a case you're just taking the herb and rolling it or, or cutting off the tip, the scent is already there. Scent is already there. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're unlocking it. Both say in the case where you perfume an article of clothing, you are creating something that was not there before. Before and there was an unperfumed garment, and now it is a perfumed garment. Rava Amar Rava says, Algabe Gacheles Nami Mutter. Rava says, even to go ahead. And we're going back now to smoking fruit, right? To go ahead and smoke the fruit on Yom Tiv is going to be permitted. And you could do it even on top of coals. Now look at Rashi. Rashi is almost right across. So we'll say, ultimately, again, Rav is of the opinion that the, the smoking of fruit is considered to be Shava Lechol Nefesh. Now, we'll say, this, we're going to get into this, but it's actually very interesting to contemplate because how do you define something that's normative? How do you define normative? So, for example, we'll say, we'll see that there's interesting discussion that Yomar is going to have about, there's the next parak about trapping a deer, right? You're allowed to shut, you're allowed to shut down. Deer meat, deer meat, was considered to be a delicacy. So can you go ahead and shech the deer on Yom Tif? Is that called Shava Lechol Nefesh? See, interestingly enough, what the Gemara is going to say, we're going to see is, yes, everybody would agree that consumption of deer is a normative pleasure. The fact that some people could afford it, some people can't afford it, doesn't make it non-normative. Rav is coming along and he's saying, listen, it could very well be that only certain people smoke fruit. That, that, that's possible. And maybe it's considered to be a bit more of a delicacy. But the fact that it's considered to be a delicacy doesn't take away from the fact that it's still normative. It's something that regular normative people would enjoy. So therefore, Rav says, you could even go ahead you could even go ahead and halacha roasted on top of the coals. After all, muri. Same way that you can roast meat on coals. For example, I'll say everyone agrees you can roast you can roast meat on coals. Even though when you roast meat on coals, what's inevitably happening? What's inevitably happening? Havar and kibui, right? You're going to end up extinguishing something, kindling something. But, you know, as they say, that's the price of doing business, right? That's the price of Ochal Nefesh. And that's okay because it's included under Ochal Nefesh. So the Gemara says, Darash Rav Gavia mi Beksil, Apischa de Veresh Kalusa. Rav Gavia from Ksil, Darshan following at the entranceway of the home of Reish Kalusa, of the Reish Kalusa. Ketura Shari. Ketura is permitted. Excellent. What's Ketura? Armalea Meimar, my Ketura. What is that? So we'll say, it's interesting. Ketura Bidi Rashi says over here, something very interesting. So we'll say, this was the act of pressing clothing. We actually, we actually did this in a little bit in Smichas Chavar as well. If, if, if you're talking about actually like, like pressing clothing so that the pleats are stiff, my you're not allowed to do that on Yom Tiv. 
And ultimately, again, if it's talking about if, if kitura, if kitura means smoking, because katir in Aramaic is smoke, if kitura means the smoking of fruit or the smoking of food, then ultimately, again, this will be asr, because don't you run the risk, of going ahead and extinguishing and kindling. Really, it's talking about smoking fruit, but you're allowed to do it. Why? Because ultimately, again, it's no different than cooking meat on the coals, which is going to be permitted. If it's the stiffening of the pleats, that's considered to be a craftsman work. Craftsman's work, and therefore Allah will be asran yamtiv. Ila ashen asr, and if you're talking about, and if ultimately again it's perfuming clothing, that's problematic to come all the You are creating scent. I'm sorry, not, not perfuming clothing. I'm sorry, smoking fruit. And ultimately, what does it refer to? It refers to smoking fruit. And why is it permitted? Because it's no different, ultimately, than what? Than putting meat on the coals. So we'll say, and I just want to point out, that's how we pass in halach So if you had smoked fruit on the menu for second day's yamtiv, you are in luck. You're good to go, right? Even though, again, most people, it appears, did not really eat this. And halacha lamaisa, again, this was considered to be more of a delicacy. Since it's ochal nafesh, it is food. We're going to see, even if something is only consumed by some. But if you would ask most people, is this a normative food? People would say, sure, I'd love to have. Maybe most people would say, I'd love to have that, but it's out of my budget. It's out of my budget. Being out of my budget doesn't take away from the fact that it's normative ochal nafesh. So we'll say, would you begin to see something very interesting that ochal nafesh becomes permitted, even if what? Even if it could result in a little bit of extinguishing and kindling. And a paradigmatic example of that is roasting meat on coals. Where you see, I'll say, for, I, I don't know, this is interesting, because normally I think when you think about like roasting meat on coals, I don't know, I always assumed, always assumed that you have like a grate on top of the coals, and you're, but you see from the Gemara that they were roasting meat on the coals themselves, which by definition meant that there was some level of extinguishing and kindling, yet that was still permitted. Good, let's go right there. So also one of the other interesting things in the Mishnah is Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel said, you can make a Gedi Makulas on Erev Yamtiv. You can make a Gedi Makulas on Erev Yamtiv. So says the Gemara, now interestingly enough in the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, so the Gemara says that the Chachamim disagreed that you cannot make a Gedim Akulas. So says the Gemara, listen to this. Now both say, what's the Gedim Akulas? The Gedim Akulas is the roasted kid and you take the entrails, the kishkas of the animal and you roast it along outside next to the animal. Says the Gemara, Tanya, Tanya Biosi Omer, Todus ish romi hinig espene romi l'echal Gedim Akulas. Todus of Rome, he, he introduced the minog in Rome that they used to eat a gedimakulas. Now, I will say, you're going to see what's unique about this. So, in Rome, on the first night of Pesach, what was the menu? The menu, the menu was roasted sheep, right? Roasted goats. But how would they roast it? They would put the entire animal on a spit, and then they would take the kishkas of the animal, roast it outside of the animal next to the animal. This is what Todus introduced in Rome. Shalchulei. The rabbis sent to Todus, El Moli Todusato, were it not for the fact that you are Todus, and Rashi says, Chacham Gadol V'Nichbad, you're a big Tamad Chacham, and very well respected, 
Gozrani Alecha Nidui. We would put you in Khairim. Were it not that you're such a great man, we will put you in Khairim. Why? Sha'atamachil as Bene Yisrael Kachim Bachutz. Because you are giving Kral Yisrael Karbanas outside of the Beis HaMikdosh. So the says, we'll say, Kachim Sakhnaitra? What? Was told this shechting carbonus outside of the base amitash? Of course not. Elo ein kachim. I will say, but rather, what was happening over here? Todus was preparing a lamb exactly the same way it was prepared in the base amitash, the carbon pesach. And I will say, remember, we don't like that, right? We don't, we don't like that. We, we don't want. We never. We always try to avoid anything that has the appearance. Of being makdish kachim bachot, so offering karbanos outside. So Todus was mamish going ahead and literally offering up a lamb prepared, in, not offering up, preparing a lamb in the same way that it was prepared for karban pesach. And the rabbis were very upset, but Todus was a big tamtchacham. Seems to be also that he was nechba nechlanis. He was very well respected. I don't know, probably in the Jewish community, outside the Jewish community. So the Maisa they felt that they couldn't take action against him, but they voiced. Their discussion. We'll say we know this halacha very well because the minag Israel is we don't really eat roasted meat, right? Forget about a lamb. Forget about a lamb. We don't eat roasted meat on the night of Pesach, right? And there's a whole discussion in the posting exactly how far you have to take this, but it's a very, very, very strong minog. On the Seder plate, on the Seder plate, when we go in and get to Rabbi Gamil Hayo Omer, Kol Shalom Omer Shlosha Devarim Elu Pesach Lo Yatzei Dechavaso. Pesach matzah and mar. We point to the right. We point to the matzah. We point to the mar. We dafka what? Don't point to the pesach, which is which is an incredible thing, right? As if to think like anyone's going to have a havamina that that shank bone that that shank bone on your seder plate. That's the current pesach. But you see how careful we are not to be makdish kach shemachas. So I will say so I'll tell you something interesting on this because it's fascinating to me. There are so many things that we do zecher lemikdash. So many things that we do, Zechel HaMikdash, right? For example, we take Lulav all seven days. So you see this incredible like dialectic that on one hand, we engage in so many practices in order to go ahead and keep the base HaMikdash alive. But yet, in this area, when it comes like to meat, when it comes to meat, we are so careful never to go ahead and do anything that looks like a carbon. By Yomim Noram, when we bow down, when we bow down, even if you have carpeting, right? The aloha is, from the minagiz, you still put something under you because we don't bow down on a bare floor outside of the base of Mikdash. So what's the pshat? Why is it like sometimes I'm trying to recreate the Mikdash, sometimes I don't want to be the Mikdash, so I think it's an incredible yisod. You see, what Chazal were trying to do was to awaken within us a yearning without creating a complacency. You see, if you could have essentially sacrificial meat, and if you could end up doing everything like the mikdash, what ends up happening? What ends up happening? Who needs it? Who needs it, right? We, we've got everything that we need, that we need. So there's this incredible balance between on one hand going ahead and replicating certain practices in order to go ahead and keep the Beis HaMikdash alive in our consciousness, while at the same time not becoming complacent, not becoming complacent. Isn't this an, see, the danger in life, 
when you lose something, right? You see, sometimes, again, this happens. A person is learning in yeshiva, and then they leave yeshiva, and in that first little bit when they leave yeshiva, there's like, a, there's like, a, there's like an ache. There's an ache. Ah, what it was like to be, learn what it was like to this. And then what happens to the ache over time? What happens to the ache over time? It goes away. <laughs> it goes away. And you settle for your new reality. You come off the Yomim Noraim, and a person's on a high, and I want more Kiddusha, and I want more Godless, and I want more growth. And then what happens? You know, and you kind of settle back in. Chas Shalom to the regular rhythms of life. So in a Mikdash also, Chazal want us to yearn. They want us to yearn. But if you could have everything, if you could have everything, then there's nothing to yearn for anymore. So Chazal put in our lives just enough to give us a taste. Ah, that taste is so beautiful. That taste is so wonderful, but it's not too much. It's not too much of a taste so that I can have everything I want, so why do I need the mikdash? It's just enough of a taste to awaken within me an incredibly intense yearning for what was and in Tashem what will be. Bosei Mishnah. Shlosh Advarim. Says the Mishnah, It's an interesting case. Three things Rebbe ben Azariah permitted and the Chachamim assert. What were the three things? Number one, Parasa Rebbe ben Azariah's cow used to go out with its strap. Rebbe say, interestingly enough, the cow would go out with a strap that was tied between its horns. If you look at Rashi, so we're talking about on Shabbos. Rabbi Loza ben Azariah's animal would go out on Shabbos with the, with the strap between its horns. Rashi says over here, This is back to Gemara Shabbos. So the Gemara says that ultimately, again, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah would allow his animal to go out because he felt that the ribbon was decorative was decorative, and therefore I like to set something like a malbush, an article of clothing. The Chacham disagreed with him. Okay. They would comb the animal on Yomtev. Rabbi Elizabeth Azai would allow his animal to be combed on Yomtev. Now Rashi points out, by the way, Mekadrin is talking about with a metal comb with very fine teeth. Now what's the chap of combing your animal with a metal comb and fine teeth? It causes bleeding. It causes bleeding. It does. It may, creates a chabura. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah allowed this for, to comb the animal on yamtiv. Furthermore, again, you could crush peppers, right, or peppercorns in their in their in their grinder. Rabbi Huda says no. In, sorry, in Makardin. you cannot go ahead and comb an animal with a metal comb on yamtiv. Ultimately, because you make a chabura, you end up causing the animal to bleed. Aval makartzefin. What can you do? Makartzefin. I've also makartzefin is also combing the animal. But combing the animal with what? With a wooden comb with thicker teeth. So this, I guess, will extract from the mane of the animal, you know, whatever you're trying to extract. But aloha lamaisa doesn't cause the animal to bleed. The chum say, ain makardin velo makartzefin. You can't comb at all. You can't comb with a metal comb. You can't comb with a wooden comb. You just can't do it. Rash says, the Gimar the Memra, this is great. You know, the Mishnah makes it sound like, the Mishnah makes it sound like, allowed his cow to go out with a ribbon between its horns. It sounds like how many, cow, cow, how many cows did Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah have? One. 
Gemara says, what? We'll say, listen to this. We'll say, get ready for this. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah separated 13,000 cows from his flock as Meiser Behema every single year. 13,000 cows from his flock. We'll say, isn't that absolutely incredible? Right? So that, and now, again, could that be a little bit hyperbolic? It could be hyperbolic, but what's the point? What's the point the Gemara is making? He was incredibly wealthy, right? It wasn't one, right? That's, that's the thing, it wasn't one. Was he, was incredible. I just want to point out, by the way, we'll say something really incredible. If you notice, by the way, remember again, the famous Maestro Belazab and Azari Masechas Brachas, right? After they deposed Rabbi Gamliel as being the Rosh Hashiva, they approach Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, right? And this is the Hareya Nika ben Shivim Shana. He was only he was only eighteen years old when he was appointed Rosh Hashiva. You remember again? He asks his wife if he should take the job or not, right? And she says to him, she says to him, "No, are you crazy?" She says, "Remember, any job you walk into in life, always look what happened to your predecessor. What happened to the guy before you in the job?" How do they treat him? How do they take care of him? So she said, they deposed Rabbi Gamliel. They deposed him. They fired Rabbi Gamliel. It's pretty wild if you think about it. They fired Rabbi Gamliel. So if they fired Rabbi Gamliel, who's smarter than you and older than you, no offense, honey, right? Smarter than you and older than you, right? Then at the end, what, what, what are they going to do to you? So Rabbi ben Azariah has a whole shita about this. Going into, hey, you take advantage of the opportunities in life. But I also think it's very interesting as follows. Rabbi ben Azariah was independently wealthy. And there is something, bless you, there is something to taking on positions of community, of leadership, when you are independently wealthy. Why? Because at the end of the day, you don't depend on anyone else for your parnasa, right? And when you're financially independent, that allows you to do certain things and allows you to have a certain level of, of standing that you don't have to be, quote-unquote, afraid of community power. So I, I've often thought that that might have also been what gave Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah kind of the strength to accept the position because there was no level of financial intimidation that could be used against him. He was independent, so it didn't work out. It didn't work out, which is an incredible use. In any event, the point the Gemara is making over here is that Allah Chalamaisa, he had much more than one cow. To which the Gemara says, Tana lo shalom. This is crazy. Not crazy. This is incredible. Tana lo haisa. You're right. It wasn't his cow. It wasn't his cow. The Mishnah is not referring to his cow. Ella shal shchenos haisa. It was his neighbor's cow. Umitoch shalom micha ba nikres al shmo. And since he did not go ahead and object to this practice of the cow wearing the ribbon out on Yamtiv, ultimately, again, it was called his cow. So I will say, the fact that the neighbor's cow went out like this, and Rabbi ben Azariah didn't say anything, Halach Lamaisa tells you that makes it that what? It was his cow. I will say, an incredible Musra also, that, you know, we are responsible for what happens beyond our Dalit Amos also. And when things happen within our purview, right? When things are going on around us, you obviously you can't necessarily intervene or shape the circumstances that are going around all around you. But Lamaisa, there is some level of responsibility for the circumstances happening by your neighbors also. That if you person see something wrong in general, when you see something wrong in life, when do I go ahead and say not my business versus when do I go ahead and get involved to try to right a wrong is a very delicate dance. 
But when he saw his neighbor doing something, had he objected to this practice, he should have objected. He should have objected. The fact that he didn't object ultimately made it, Mishnah treats it like his cow. Therefore, it, turns, it sounds like from the Gemara over here that himself may actually not have permitted this practice. But the fact that his neighbor did it and he didn't say anything create, created a situation where he was giving his blessing to this particular practice. So remember again, the next piece was Rabbi said, you can comb the animal on Yom Tiv. Now again, remember, combing the animal in this context means with a metal comb with fine teeth. Ten rabbanon, so let's hear the Gemara says it. Eizuhu karod ve'ezu kirtsuf. What's kard? What's kirtsuf? Karod kitanim ba'osin chabura. Karod is a metal comb with fine teeth that makes a, that makes a chabura on the animal. Kirtsuf, what's kirtsuf? Gidolim ve'enosin chabura. Ultimately, again, it's a wooden comb, large teeth, and doesn't create a chabura. The Gimel Machlokos Bedavar. The Gimara says, in fact, this is a three-way Machlokos. What's the three-way Machlokos? Here we go. Rabbi Huda Sava, Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda remember again, Rabbi Huda says that you could use the wood, 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 the wood large tooth comb, but not the metal small tooth comb. So watch this. Rabbi Huda Savar, Darvashinim is Kavin Asr. Shabbi Huda holds that Darvashinim is Kavin, because we're both remember again, when you go, remember, you don't want to cause the animal to bleed, right? When, when you go ahead and you use that metal comb, it's not your intention to cause bleeding in the animal. So it's a Darvashinim is Kavin, an unintended consequence. Rabbi Huda holds, Darvashinim is Kavin is Asr. Mihu, Karud kitanin va'osin chabura. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Davar shenim miskavin aser. Miu karud kitanin va'osin chabura. Kirtsof kidolim ve'ena osin chabura. Velo gazrinon kirtsof atu karud. So we'll say Rabbi Hudal is like this. Rabbi Hudal davar shenim miskavin is aser, and therefore you can't use a fine tooth metal comb on yamtiv, but you can use you can use a large tooth wooden comb, and we're not afraid that if we let you use the large tooth wooden comb, that's what. You're going to come to use the fine tooth metal comb. But Rabbanon and Sabri, now we're going to be who is Kavin Asr. The Rabbanon agree that a Dabrashen is Kavin is Asr. But they take this one step further. Vergazrinon, Kirtsuf, Atu, Karud. But they hold that we won't let you use a wooden comb, lest you what? Lest you what? Come to use a metal comb. Okay, so I'll say that's Rabbi Huda and the Rabbanon. For Belozab ben Azariah, first white line of the battle, Belozab ben Azariah, Sarvala Kreb Shimon. Oh! Rabbi Lazar ben Azari holds a kibshim. What does Rabbi Shimon hold? Damer Devershin Miskave Mutter. Oh, he holds the Devershin Miskave. Right when you do something that has an unintended consequence, that is mutter on Shabbos, and therefore ben karot or ben kirtsov shari. You would have, therefore Rabbi Lazar ben Azari says metal comb, wooden comb. It's all mutter because even if you cause bleeding, it's called what a davar sheino miskaven, an unintended consequence, an unintended circumstance, and therefore alocha lemaisa it's mutter. So we'll say three way machlokes: Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Huda, and the Rabbanon. Amar Rav, Amar Nachman, Amar Shmuel, Amar Mila, Amar Nachman lechudei halocha k'Rabbi Shimon. The halocha follows Rabbi Shimon, namely that a davar sheino miskaven on Shabbos is mutter. Is motor Shari Lavazav and Azariah Modelo. How do we know that Allah calls Rabbi Shimon? Because Rabbi Lavazav and Azariah Paskins like him. Both say that a Davar Shemim Miskavin is going to be mutter on Shabbos. Amr Lei Rav Lerav Nachman Velei Mamar Halacha Krabi Yehuda Shari Chachamim Odim Lo. I don't understand. But why did you say the Halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda that a Davar Shemim Miskavin is Aser? Because after all, the Chachamim line up with Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda. 
Amrali, under Krabi Shimon Sirele, he says, because first of all, I also hold the Krabi Shimon. Right? I hold the Krabi Shimon also. So because I hold the Krabi Shimon, therefore, I'm Lachal and again, I like to go with the Ibn Salah Krabi Shimon. Furthermore, of the old, Shar al Rabbi Lazab and Azariah Mold. And I'm also, we know, Halachal and that is how he passed in the Hilchal Shabbos, that a Darvish Shainum is is Mutter. Now, again, there still may be, a, where we get into the interesting discussion, is a Darvish Shainum is his Mutter. Where do you get into an issue? Remember, where do you get into an issue? Psikresha, excellent. By psikresha, subsikresha, the nechale, psik, excellent. So that's where you get. Now it's interesting, the Gemara doesn't bring that up over here, which would seem to mean that even with the use of the metal comb, it's not a psikresha. That, that, that's what it sounds like, that the Gemara doesn't bring it up. There may be a high probability of causing bleeding in the animal, but Lamaisa, it's not a definitive consequence. Incredible. So we'll say that's the end of the Sugya Amud Beis. Mishnah. We'll say, Mishnah, we're going to finish. What does Chos first day Chalamai get to finish the Perak in Gemara? Absolutely incredible. Mishnah. Harechayim Shalpilpalin. A pepper grinder. A pepper grinder. Says the Gemara. Tmeya Mishum Shlosha Kalim. So we're going to see that the, the grinders that were used for peppers were, were made of three parts. And interestingly enough, each one of those three parts had the ability, be, ability, had the ability to be makabel tuma because each part had its own identity. So for example, there was a receptacle, there was a metal utensil, there was a sieve. So we'll say, all the Gemara is saying is it was made of three parts. Now, interestingly enough, sometimes if you have a multi-part utensil, when the utensil is in pieces, it may not be makabel toma because it may not have the identity as a complete kli when it's in pieces. What the Mishnah is introducing over here is that halacha lamaisa, each part of the pepper grinder has its own identity, which means even if it's disassembled, halacha lamaisa, each part has the ability to be mekabel tuma. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi is mekabelas tuma alshim shlo shekelim. Nafkamina dinami azul chad shma mina tmeya mishum idach. So listen to this, here we go. So tana tachtonu mishum klekibo, the bottom utensil, right? The bottom part of the grinder was the receptacle. So that could become tame ultimately again as a base kibble. And so is mishum klikavra. The middle one was the sieve part. And that could become tame because it's a sieve. Alyonu mishum klimatachas. And the upper part, ultimately again, is just a stam metal utensil. And therefore it can become tame. Bose, an incredible yisod in this well. What do you see from the pepper? So there's a muster in everything, including pepper grinders. What do you see the power of pepper grinder? The grinder has an identity when all the pieces are together, but the grinder also has an identity when the pieces are separate. Isn't that an incredible metaphor for the Jew? There are two identities that I exist with. I exist with the identity as a member of Klav Yisrael. I have an identity as a member of the collective, but my goal is also to create an identity at the end of the day, how? As an individual. I have, I'm like, I am a pepper grinder, right? I have a part of my identity when I'm part of the whole because we'll say that is so incredible. This is why you have the concept of Atifrosh Minat Sibur. Don't, don't separate yourself from the cloud. Don't separate yourself from the community. Don't separate yourself from the Sibur because there's a power, there's a piece of my identity that by definition comes from being part of the collective. But I can't just be part of the collective. I have to cultivate an individualistic identity as well. Rav Shamshun of Al-Harsh brings down, he says, you know, you begin Shmona Esrei with the bracha of Abba. So, okay, Avram, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov. 
even though every single Jew davens the same words of Shemona Esrei, we begin with the Avos. Why? Because Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov could not have been three more different people. They were each unique and each different. So we all daven the same words in Shemona Esrei, but our relationships with HaKadosh Baruch Hu have to be so different. You have to be part of the whole, but you also have to go ahead and cultivate a meaningful individual identity. Incredible. Mishnah. Agol Shel Katan, another interesting case. Agol Shel Katan, will say, is a child's wagon. She says, Agol Shel Katan, She'osna Lishok, V'yoshev Aleh, Metaltalin Osala. He says, literally a wagon. Literally, what does the kid do with the wagon? He uses it to play, and ultimately he sits in it, and people could pull him in it. People could pull him in it. Mamish a wagon. So the, the Agol of the wagon of a Katan is Tmei Medris. Could become Tamei, Tumas Medris. Now, both remember again, what's Tumas Medris? Remember, we've learned this. Tumas Medris is when someone who's Tame conveys Tuma to another item. How? By leaning on it, right? By supporting his weight. See, even if Halacha Lamaisa, I'm not necessarily going ahead and touching it, but Halacha Lamaisa, again, if I'm supporting my weight against it, that becomes Tumas Medris as well. Look at Rashi just a moment. Tumas Medris, Ematinok Zav. For example, let's say the child becomes a Zav. Nasis ha'agola av the wagon itself could become an avatoma, demiyuchedes li yeshiva, because it is set aside ultimately for sitting on it. Da ha somich katan ala, nimse shimiyuchedes lo, I'm sorry, miyuchedes lo li yeshiva, vein omrim lo amod, vinasim alachto, di ilalom yachto. Fine. So, so the point over here is that since this is a utensil that is set aside to support the weight or to sit on, if the child becomes a zav, halacha lemaisa, the agol of the wagon becomes tummy as well. Vini, tell us Shabbos, but you can go ahead and take this wagon on Shabbos. In other words, the wagon's not muktza. Why is the wagon not muktza? Rashi says because it has the status of a kli. So it's not muktza. The enon nigreres ela agabe kalim. Interestingly enough, you can only go ahead, you can't drag it over dirt. When it says it's only dragged over kalim, means you can't drag it over dirt. Right? We'll say, why not? Because the assumption is, what does a wagon do when you pull it over dirt? It makes a furrow. It makes a furrow. And remember again, making a furrow, making a furrow ultimately is going to be usher because of choresh. Rashi says plow. I'm sorry? Oh, good. we'll get to that. Right? So the answer is psikresha. Right, so also, so also says, so says the Gemara. So therefore, you could only pull the wagon, but it's got to be. It says on top of clothing. What it means just is it has that you can only pull it on a hard surface. You can't pull it on dirt. The Edus of the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda Omer says, in general, I agree with you that on Shabbos you can't go ahead and pull a utensil that is going to make a a a, a, a furrow. Because I will say, making a furrow on Shabbos, ultimately, again, is what? Is the malacha of choresh, the malacha of plowing. He says, a wagon is permitted. This is fascinating. Why? Because a wagon doesn't make a furrow. What does a wagon make? A depression. So I will say, interestingly enough, what he says is, there's a chilek, right? A furrow, right? See, this is the difference between making, pulling a chair and pulling a wagon. A wheel will depress the dirt. Right, the leg of a chair ultimately will uproot the dirt. The malach of harisha is not making a depression. Right, the malach of harisha is uprooting dirt. Fascinating distinction. Says the Gemara, Agala shall cut on Tamea Madras. 
So the wagging of a child is Tami Tomas Medrus. Why? Because the katan leans his weight on it. So if the katan is a zav, and the wagon is something that is used to support the weight of a person, it can become Tami Tomas Medrus. But yet you can move it on Shabbos. Why? Because the wagon has the status of a kli. So as according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, you can move the wagon, but you can't move the wagon on a dirt surface. You can only move the wagon on a, we'll call it on top of clothing. That means on a hard surface. Why? Sigmar says, Agabi Kalim in, Agabi Karkolo. On top of clothing, yes. But on top of earth, no. My time, what's the reason? Ultimately, again, because you are making a furrow, and the act of making a furrow on Shabbos is the malacha of Choresh. I says the Gemara, money. Who's the pain? Does this reflect? Rabbi Hudehi, the Amar Davar She'eno Miskavin Aser. So, what's the which said and Rabbi Shimon. This must reflect the view of Rabbi Huda who holds that a Darvish in Miskavin is Aser. Because remember, I don't have intention to make a faro. That's not my intention. My intention is just to pull the wagon. But obviously, Rabbi Huda holds that Allah Chalamaisa, even though it's Darvish in Miskavin, it is still going to be Aser. Di Rabbi Shimon, because if it was reflective of the view of Rabbi Shimon, after all, Ha'amr Darvish in Miskavin, Mutter. Rabbi Shimon holds that Darvish in Miskavin is Mutter. This now, Rabbi Shimon Omer. Go rare Adam Mita. This, this, this is where the machlokis comes up. Dom Rabbi Shimon. Go rare Adam Mita. Kisev is safsol. Obilvachlo is kavin lasos choritz. Because Rabbi Shimon holds that on Shabbos a person could drag a bed, a chair, a bench. Even if what? Even if what? Even if you may end up making a furrow. I why? Because that's not your kavana. And a davar shenamus kavin is going to be mutter. I am a seifa. Rabbi Huda Omer. Yeah, look at the end of the Mishnah. Rabbi Huda says that you can't go ahead. You can't drag any utensil except for a wagon. Why? Because the wagon makes a depression. That will say, interestingly enough, if it makes a depression, that's okay. But to make a charitz, you couldn't do that. To which the Gemara is lo'avda. To which the Gemara says, you're right. Tre tanoi va'ali b'dirabi Huda. There are two tanoim. There's machlokes tanoim in the position of Rabbi Huda. We'll say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Tanoi va'ali b'dirabi Huda. Chad savar ha'agala nami kishar kelim da'ose charis b'gri rasa. So we'll say there's a machlokes in the position of Rabbi Huda. One tano holds that halacha l'maysa. The wagon is just like any other kli. We view, we view what the wheels of the wagon do as a charitz, right? As, as a furrow. And therefore, again, because interestingly enough, even with the wagon, you know, sometimes if the wheels are a little bit rickety or not put on the right way, when they move, they might not roll, but they might what? Drag. See, I both say the difference between rolling and dragging is that ultimately, again, rolling will make a depression. Dragging could go ahead and make a charitz. The idach, so therefore, one version of Rabbi Huda will say that even the movement of the wagon will be problematic. The idach, the other opinion says, Savar, lo that's not the norm. And you're allowed to roll the wagon because the act of rolling the wagon creates depressions 
and not Pharaoh. So we'll say, so again, Halacha Lamaisa, we know that we pass in like Rabbi Shimon, that a Darashinim is Kavin ultimately again is going to be Mutter on Shabbos. The only exception to that rule, Halacha Lamaisa, is a Psikresha. Remember, Darashinim is Kavin means there might even be a high probability that the particular event may occur, but it's not definite. If ultimately, again, it's definitive, like, if, for example, if the only way to drag a chair from point A to point B is definitely you're going to make a charitz, you can't do it. Even Rabbi Shimon would agree that Allah you can't do it. But if there's a strong probability, but not a definitive reality, then Allah Chalamaisa, we pass in a psikresha, I'm sorry, a davashayim miskamen is going to be mutter, but we tried to avoid a psikresha. Bosai, hadrin Allah yamtiv, mazel tov, by the way, incredible, hadrin Allah yamtiv. Right, they will say, right, first day Chalamay, how terrible is this? Hadrin Allah Yamtiv, Baruch Hashem. Here we have to say, we, we're saying goodbye to Parak Yamtiv. Baruch Hashem, we still have Yamtiv, it's still Chalamay. So Hadrin Allah, Parak Yamtiv, but Baruch Hashem, Yamtiv is still upon us. And tomorrow we'll say, we begin an incredible sugya also on Hilchas Yamtiv, which Malachas are permitted under the license of Ochel Nefesh and which are not. Tomorrow, Sugya Mirz Hashem. Shkoyach. Thank you for the beautiful wine. I tried to, I tried to have a little restraint and wait, wait a little bit. Couldn't. First night yante, first night yante was, uh, it was mamish like. So thank you. Just like a little Isaac's ram is exactly what was needed. Perfect. Sunday, Sunday. When's Erev yante? Monday. Monday. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Kavai, how are we doing? Yeah, or you could have. You could have.